Good morning, Woodland Hills. Was that for the prayer for me? I'm confused here. Yeah, uh, I had prepared the sermon uh, for the Old Testament series. I mean, Old Testament, I think about it. Uh, the Holy Spirit series that we're in. Um, it was good. I want to tell you, you missed a good sermon. It was, uh, if I do say so myself. But I sacrificed it all. Uh, yeah, I felt, I'll just say this. Uh, it, it feels like an honor to speak into this situation right here, right now. Uh, God kind of turned this, he put something on my heart that I just am so excited to share. Uh, and so we'll get to that in a little bit. But we have had a, a really terrible, terrible awful, terrible week. Um, you know, back-to-back instances of black folks getting shot by police. And we don't know any of the facts on that, or all the facts, but you know, the videos seem like it's not justified, and so people understandably are angry and grieving over that. And it's that's followed by five police officers getting shot to death in Dallas, another six wounded, and then another three were wounded in different states. Um, just last night, at 994, uh, some police were injured as folks were throwing bottles at them. Protesters were in the middle of I-94, and there was a major clash there. Thank God it didn't get worse. Um, but, um, you know, the hostility, the heat is rising. And the, I, I live right in that neighborhood. I could have walked two blocks down. The, the, the news said, please, or the police said, don't attend, to just be spectators. It's already crowded enough and getting crazy. But I felt like I was in a war zone. So I went out for a walk. And everywhere, every corner, there's police everywhere. And there's helicopters overhead. And, and there's this electricity in the air. And it was like being in a military zone. Uh, our country right now is gripped. Be gripped by fear and anger and hostility and grief. Um, and see, here's the thing. In a situation like this, what happens is people's amygdala gets activated. That's your fight or flight reflex. It's a part of your brain that when you sense there's danger, uh, it sends out a chemical cocktail in your system and you want to either fight or, or, or run. And uh, there's a lot of that going on right now. And the thing about it is, is that when, and you, you can prove this neurologically, when our amygdala gets activated, we don't think very well. We, we don't think straight. We don't see things accurately. Uh, it's a biological thing. As you get angry, it's a sense of danger. So you focus in on what it is that you either need to attack or run from. You get a very narrow vision. And when our amygdala gets activated, um, we, we, we see everything in black and white, all or nothing, us, them. All your attention, all the parts of your brain that are used to, you know, distinguish things and nuance things. Um, think objectively about things. It is shut down because all your energy is focused on the enemy that you're either going to attack or run from. Um, and so you just don't see nuances. And so there's all these polarities and divis divisions, and they get hardened and thickened in moments like this. And you're given the alternatives. It's either us or them. It's either you are for the Black Lives Matter movement and you're against the police, or you're for the police and you're against the Black Lives Movement, Black Lives Matter movement. Um, and see, in times like these, it's so important that we don't get sucked into that. In times like these, kingdom people, we need to remember who we are and what we're here for. Uh, remember, we need to remember whose we are 
and what our mission is, that we are called to be reconcilers. We're called to be agents of peace. Uh, we are people who are in Christ and filled with Christ and filled with his spirit. Uh, we are ambassadors of a different kingdom in this world. And uh, our peace comes from knowing him. Our peace uh, is, is within us. It, it uh, is a peace that passes all understanding because when everything in the culture says, you know, you should be very worried right now. You should be either attacking or running. Uh, we can have a peace that passes all understanding. Amen. And, and our hope, yes, amen. I mean, it, when, the, when the waters are crashing all around and the storm is raging, we know we have a strong tower, right? There's a rock you can stand on, and it doesn't move with the culture. It doesn't change with the culture. It's not upset with the culture. It is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and we stand on that, and that is our anchor, and that is our identity. Amen. So that ought to get, uh, give us a perspective that keeps us from falling into the fear and the anger and the hostility that, that uh, is, is in the atmosphere right now. And that ought to give us a perspective to see what people can't see when their amygdalas are activated. That it's not all black and white. It's not all us or them. Um, it, it's, it's not all just all clear cut. We ought to be able to see. Like, yes, there's, there's, there's uh, the Black Lives Matter movement stands for something profoundly, profoundly important because black lives matter. They also matter. And, and uh, they have unsurpassable worth. The agents of God. They're in the image of God. And, and so we stand for that, of course. But at the same time, as kingdom people, some of the ways it's expressed, I mean, they, they intend to have peace rallies, but because people are activated, it sometimes doesn't get that way. And as kingdom people, we can't agree with all the ways it is expressed, with words and hostility and sometimes with some violence. And so, so there's a both and. There. There's some amb ambiguity there. At the same time, as tragic and terrible and awful as the shootings of black folks are, um, we can never let the few who misuse their authority in terrible ways taint the majority who use their authority in responsible ways, and who are just good people who are willing to lay down their lives to protect others. And we want to affirm them. My wife and I attended the vigil for uh, Flando on Thursday night because um, we wanted to express solidarity just with the grieving family and, and with the grieving community. Uh, we want to be with them in that. Um, and then we, we marched to the, the governor's home. And, um, and just to show solidarity with that, to enter into that, to say yes to what this is standing for. At the same time, we couldn't agree with all the things that were said. We understand that people are angry and they sometimes say really nasty things. But, but uh, we could worry about, well, they, well, people think that we are in favor of all that. But this wasn't the time to be prissy about that. You know, it's like whatever people perceive, we want to just be in solidarity. Um, so I want to say yes to that. At the same time, I've got police all around my house these days, and, and I, I want to go out of my way to say thank you for your service. Uh, because I do thank them for their service. You know, here they are protecting a crowd that some of that crowd is very hostile to them. And, and that, takes some, that takes some courage and and, uh, and so, thank you for your service. Those th two things are not incompatible. In fact, they're very compatible. And that's, that, that's what kingdom people should be able to do. Uh, if we stay above being polarized and buying into the dichotomies and being anchored in Christ, knowing our identity in Christ, knowing our mission in Christ. But that's not always easy to do, is it? Um, this week, for me in particular, uh, it, it, this week hit me very, very hard. Um, especially that the Flando video, which I'm sure many of you have seen, at least clips of it. 
Uh, that, that hit me very, very hard. Uh, just, just on the ba- I don't know the background, I don't know all, all the facts, but on the basis of what I saw, it, it immediately produ- produced in me profound sorrow and profound rage. I was just so... I could see the face of my two black grandsons in Philando. And it, I thought, th- this could be them in 15 years. And that's when it got really personal. Um, and I, I wondered, you know, I, I, right now, how Philando's loved ones must be grieving. In fact, I saw some of them at the vigil, and it was tough. And uh, um, I, I, I just entered into that. And then I wondered how, how it, when it comes time to teach them how to drive, and what to do to be pulled over, I'm going to have to give them a very different set of instructions than I'll give my white granddaughter, Sage. All the rules about making sure that your hands are always visible and you stare ahead and you answer very slowly and calmly. And if they tell you to, to reach for your wallet, you, when you obey, ask them again. Like, do you want, so you want me to reach for my wallet? Or whatever that would be like. But it would be, there's a danger here. You might, get, you might get shot. So do it just right. And if they ask, how come our instructions are so much more detailed and, 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 and rigorous than Sage's? I have to say, because she's white. And that just makes me really sad. And aggravating. I'm not saying anything that, that black parents haven't been telling their kids for forever. Um, and so I, 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 was, I, I was, at that moment, triggered. Now, I, there's an appropriateness in that, I think. You know, when you see things that are outrageous, it ought to anger us. It ought to grieve us. That itself is, 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 is not a bad thing. That's a good thing. That means you care. But you can't stay there, staring at that anger and, and whatever. That's not the place to stay. That's why Paul says, be angry. That's not a sin. But don't go to bed with your anger. Don't let the sun set in your anger because that gives the devil a foothold. And see, if I would have just stared at the, the, the place I was at when I immediately saw the video, um, that would have been good. When you stare at something too long, anger, your amygdala stays activated. And, and that can begin to define you. It can begin to jaundice the way you look at the world. You taint the way you look at the world, the way you interpret the world. Now you're sucked in. Now you're seeing everything in black and white terms. And that for kingdom people is never appropriate. Yes, get angry, but don't stay in that place. And so there's a time when you got to zoom out and see the big picture. And this is part of the big picture, but this isn't the whole picture. And a time when you got to remember who you are in Christ and what your mission is. So you can begin to see things clearly again and uh, get a more Christ-like vision of what is going on. And the minute I did that, not the minute I did that, but soon after I did that, I said, okay, I got to remember here, you know, what's going on here and whatever. Um, I began to see that it's not only Philando that I could see the face of my children in, it was also Euronimo, the officer who shot him. That could be one of my kids as well. I could picture the face of my children on, on him as well. And I began to wonder, how are his loved ones grieving right now? His mother, his father, his brothers and sisters, I don't know if he's married, but if he is, his wife, maybe his kids, I don't know. But he's got a world of grief surrounding him as well. And, and I, I don't know anything about him, okay? So this is just me kind of speculating here. But, but in the video, he seemed like he was very nervous. Uh, his, his hand was shaking as he's pointing the gun still in the window while Philando was, was bleeding to death. And, uh, and when he goes to defend himself 
against his uh, 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 diamond is his girlfriend's name, against her, her statement that he was reaching for his wallet and he, he wanted to say no. As he's responding and screaming, he, he could almost hear him crying. He didn't strike me as the kind of guy who got up that morning and said, hey, I think I'm going to go out and shoot a black guy and ruin the rest of my life. And I don't know his backstory, but there is, some, there is a backstory there. Uh, there's a prequel, as I say. There's, there's some, I wondered what was the prequel that, that made him so quick to the trigger? Why, what, what was it that made him so nervous to be uh, encountering a black man and having to, you know, report something? It, 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 it seemed like, I don't know what the prequel was, but everyone's got a prequel. And if you begin to think about that prequel, what is it that led to this? There's always a background to it. Um, that automatically begins to move your heart from judgment to compassion. That's why, you know, when, when, when something, your relative or son or daughter does something terrible, everyone else is judging them, but you as the parent have compassion on them. Oh, if you only knew what else was going on. What else was going on? I don't know, but there was something else going on. And we're called to have compassion. We're, in fact, we're forbidden to judge. Paul says, believe the best and hope the best about everyone. And so I want to remind us here that it's so important when, when there's someone who is triggering you, affecting your amygdala, when the, maybe everyone else around you is having judgment and, and coming down on them, our job as kingdom people is to remember there's a prequel there and to believe the best and hope the best for everyone. Um, and that will move us towards compassion and away from judgment. And that leads to the message I want to give uh, today. That was, in my, that, was a, that was a prequel to my message. Here's, uh, on Friday morning, I woke up and I... Uh, I had something on my heart, and I had to start writing out. And as I was writing out, I got the word. I really felt I got this word, expose the powers. And I thought, I have to set aside my, what I was supposed to preach, and this is what I'm supposed to preach, expose the powers. Now, because I'm giving this message in a very energized environment, uh, I, I, I called Dennis Edwards, my uh, friend, He's an African-American pastor at uh, Sanctuary Covenant Church, and we're kind of get, getting a relationship with them. And I know that as a white person, I don't know what I don't know. And especially in racially, uh, situations of racial tension, going in without knowing that you don't know what you don't know can be disastrous. And so I want to talk with him. He's become kind of a mentor of mine on, on r racial reconciliation issues. And so I call him up. And as always, he's very gracious, wants to talk. And so I process with him, you know, kind of what I have on my heart, what I'm thinking about sharing. Uh, and, and here's the thing. I, I, I was planning on basing this message on Ephesians 6.12. And I call him, and it turns out he's preaching through the book of Ephesians. And this weekend, he was scheduled to preach on Ephesians 6.12. So that was wonderful. Um, and we began to share notes. I, you know, share what I'm thinking about, what I know about the principalities and powers. And, and he gets informed and he shares with me, you know, some of the things about how it can apply to this culture. And, and we ended up kind of you know, outlining a message together. And we both felt it was important to share with our congregations that this message comes to you out of solidarity. As I'm preaching it here, he's preaching it there. And something about that solidarity was part of the message that we're, we're to preach. So Ephesians 6. Let's turn to that. Verses 12 and 18. We are not contending against flesh and blood, Paul says, but against principalities and powers, against the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. That I pray at all times and in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. And to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, praying supplication for the saints. Keep alert. There are principalities and powers. Uh, and we're to be aware of them. 
and we're to be praying against them. And being aware of them, as I want to show now, it significantly changes the way we frame things, which allows us to respond to tense situations in a kingdom kind of way. Now, the principalities and powers, and I, I, I've talked on this message before, because um, I feel it's a very important message, but I've never felt it was as important as it is this moment. The principalities and powers. These are, are high-ranking angelic beings uh, who were given authority over aspects of creation and aspects of society uh, when, when they were created. Just like human beings were given authority over the earth and the animal kingdom, they were given authority over creation, a much broader authority, and over uh, aspects of society. And God intended them to use their authority and their influence for good. That was their assignment. Now, some of them rebelled, followed Satan, and rebelled. And then they began to use their authority at cross-purposes with God. Uh, they, they want to corrupt. They want to kill. They want to kill, steal, and destroy uh, under the authority of Satan. Um, now, this, this, this idea of uh, them having influence on society, they influence any sort of segment of society that they can. Think of it like this. Wherever you can find a we, like we the whatever, you will find the polluting influence of the powers. I'll illustrate it with my wonderful artwork. But glorious. If you thought Seth was bad, watch this. Okay, so uh, I'll t t take my case. Here I am, Greg Boyd. Happy lad that I am. Uh, I've been at the end of a 40-day fast. So uh, <laughs> it's weird. My drawing hasn't improved since kindergarten. It's, okay, so I am part of, let's start with we humans. Okay, that, that, that's a group. So here we are. We humans. All right. I'm also part of, uh, you may have noticed, uh, I'm part of we white humans. And, and this, is, this is part of who I am. This is part of my constitution. I'm part of also we white male humans. All right. We males, I'm part of your club. We white people, I'm part of your club, okay? This is part of my identity. All right. And then I'm part of uh, we human white males who live in America. And a part of the we uh, who are descendants of the Boyds from the island of Butte of Scotland. <laughs> and I'm also, <laughs> I could have written this better, but <laughs> uh, I'm also kind of, you know, dimension geographically uh, disabled. Uh, so I'm also part of, uh, let's see here, uh, uh, the group of my friends, uh, my, my small group. All right, we're very close. And I'm also part of, uh, of Greg's family. We who are part of Greg's family. So we who are humans, I'm with you. We who are white people, I'm there. We are males, uh, I'm there. We Americans, we buoys, and the small group, and my family. Now, at every level, and I, I could have included a thousand. There's way more than these. This is just to keep it simple and not get cluttered. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's part of who I am. Okay, this isn't a little addendum or something. Uh, I am that. Now, the powers have been working to corrupt every aspect of society, every we, every people group. So, add that into this equation. Now, no, notice this. Um, I, I'm part of we humans, but we humans are screwed up. <laughs> We've been in rebellion against God forever, you know, and since the fall. And that's part, I'm born into that. I inherit that by virtue of being a human. And uh, I'm, I'm part of the white folks. Right now, the power's been at work among white folks. Uh, evidence of that can be familiar. The colonial, whole, colonial period, we have a tendency to try to rule others 
throughout history. And so uh, I'm born into that. That's a principle of power, screwed up thing, and, and I, that's what I inherit. And I'm born in a, in, uh, with a male. And the principle of powers have been at work at that, as is evident by the fact that throughout most of history, we've been trying to, you know, lord it over women. And I inherit that. And I'm born in America. And the principalities of powers have been at work strongly in America, as evidenced by uh, importations of millions of Africans to make them our slaves and the treatment of the Native Americans when we conquered their country. And I inherit all of that. And I'm a descendant of the Boyds from the island of Butte. Uh, and uh, uh, I inherit that. <laughs> we were, we were I, I've said this before, but the Boyds were uh, part of no, uh, royalty back up until the 12th century. And, and uh, we were keepers of the palace, second down from the, the, the feudal lord. We lived in castles, all right? So, and had big swords and, you know, with nobility. And then one of my moron ancestors ca captured and held for ransom the feudal lord's daughter. And so the feudal lord got his feudal lord buddies and, and ransacked us and kicked us out of, out, out of Scotland. And our name's been mud ever since. <laughs> I could have been somebody. I could have been a contender. I sent him a boy. So, and see, here's the thing. All of these have positive and negative things, but I'm focusing on the negative because I'm talking about what the powers are doing, and that's negative. Um, and so it, it's, some of these will, some of this benefits me, and some of it doesn't. So it benefits in terms of the worldly sense of things. So by, by being white, the way the powers have worked have advantaged me. And by being a male, the way the powers work has advantaged me. My life can be a little easier uh, because of that. Uh, being in America has in a lot of ways advantaged me, you know, as opposed to being born in Haiti. Um, and, but being a boy has disadvantaged me. Uh, that, that's it. It all affects me, though. It's part of who I am. My, my small group, uh, their spirituality is going to impact me for better or for worse, and my spirituality is going to impact them for better or for worse. But that's part of me. And, and it's small, the, my family, the powers have been at work in, uh, in ways that are none of your business. So, so the, 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 <laughs> So I, I want us to see this, that, that, that uh, uh, we're born into this polluted system. This is, I think, the, the right meaning of original sin. We're not guilty, but we're born into this. It, it's part of who we are. And there's a long history behind each of these things. Uh, and, and, and so it has a momentum. I mean, it's been being fed for a long while. And, and it's, so there's a stream here that we're born into. In fact, you can kind of think of it like this. Here's another great illustration of my great artistic work. Here I go. It's going to go like this. Where, where's my, where, 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 here it is. All right. So, so it's a picture like this. Here's like a stream. This is a stream. And, and, and this stream that we're born into, it's, it's uh, uh, just the, the part of the wheeze that has been polluted by the principalities and powers. And it's fed by, you know, the fact that uh, part of my we is, is American, part of my we is being male, part of my we is being white, you know, part of my we is being a boy. And, and there's these streams that flow into this, and we are born right there, We're right, right into it. And so there's, our life will tend in a certain direction, depend on what kind of particular stream is in our prequel that has been polluted by the powers. Uh, the, this, the, the specific inheritance that you get, whatever the streams are leading into you, that will, to a large degree, determine kind of the direction you go. It gives you your map, uh, how you see the world, how you interpret the world, the, the values that you hold, the expectations that you hold, the opportunities that are available, available to you or not. That all is kind of set here. Now, we still have free will. And that's what we're responsible for. We're not responsible for all of this, but we have free will. But the free will is significantly conditioned by where, what kind of stream you're born into. Uh, it sets the parameters for all those things. So yes, you can move about, uh, but uh, the parameters are largely set by things that you did not choose. You can choose, but you can't choose the parameters that condition what you choose. Okay? 
So we're, we're born into this. It's part of who we are. And if that's part of who we are, then we are born polluted. That's the original sin. And it doesn't mean that you're guilty, but it does mean that the cards are going to be stacked against you in different ways. Uh, the stream you're born into may privilege, privilege you in terms of the conditions of this world in some ways, or it may disadvantage you in some ways. Uh, but uh, it disadvantages all of us in spiritual ways. That's why we cannot save ourselves. We need a savior. So in that light, here's the thing. You ask, okay, wait, what's the point of all this? It's huge. Huge. Because look, look at this. One of the ways that the powers have affected uh, Western civilization is that we tend to see things very individualistically. Um, all the cultures see them very differently. But when we look at a group, for example, what we see is a collection of individuals. The real thing here are the individuals. They're real. The group is just a name for a bunch of the individuals. Whereas other cultures, and the Bible is much more in, this, in line with this, what they see is that, yeah, there's individuals there, but the group, is, the group is as real as the individuals. It's a distinct reality. Or marriage. We, we think, oh, two people come together, and they like each other and get happy ever after. But... What other cultures see in the biblical view is that when you covenant with somebody, you create a third reality. It's over and against the two individuals. There's a reality there. But we have trouble seeing that. We have trouble seeing holes or, or systemic things. We only see individual things. And then add to that that we live in a secular culture. So not only do we just have trouble seeing holes, but we, most people don't even believe in the principalities and powers. Uh, and even those who believe in them, they don't affect much the way they see the world. And now watch what happens when you look at the world that way as opposed to understanding the powers. If, if, if you take away, here, so when we, we look at an individual, we see the individual, but we don't see this. We're not even aware of this. This doesn't factor in. We just see the particular now, this person, that's what's real. And so if you're looking at the world this way, then all you have to look at is an individual. That's the only really real thing that you consider. Um, and that has huge effects. When you don't see the big picture, uh, you, you, you become myopic. And uh, that means when a problem happens, what tends to happen in Western culture is the, the only question we ask is, who's to blame? What individual is to blame? And we feel like if we convict the individual and punish the individual, then we've done our job. And then, if you're not aware of the principles and powers and the history and the prequel of the person, uh, all of the pollution that this person inherited from the stream gets pinned on him or her. You made the wrong choice. Because that's all we got to work with. And that's the only real thing, so go after the person who made the bad choice and punish them, and then we're, then we're, then we're done. And see, this, this way of looking at the world completely... Jades, uh, jades and, and has a number of negative consequences. I'll give just like one or two. One is this. That way of looking at the world easily leads to racism. In fact, it might be the foundation of racism. You look at this individual and then the individuals that look like this individual and there's this boom. That's all we see. It's like this. I'll illustrate this. I was at, uh, out to dinner a number of years ago with a pastor and his wife and their staff. And, and we were talking about uh, inner city issues because they wanted to start a ministry in the inner city. So I was asking, what do you know about the inner city? And because uh, you should know something about the inner city before you start trying to minister in it. And uh, so then we were talking about dr drug use and crime and poverty, you know, and that kind of thing. And then the wife 
God bless her. She was totally innocent. Uh, she goes, well, I don't get it. Like, why don't they just stop? Uh, stop, stop doing crime and stop taking drugs. You know, and, and, and if they're in poverty, well, get another job. And John, do you remember the time when we were really broke when we first married? And you got a second job. Why don't they do get a second job? Or if they don't like the neighborhood, why don't they move out? We once moved out of a neighborhood, didn't like the direction it was going. So we moved out. Why don't they just move out? And my first thought was, God, good idea. You should go tell them that. <laughs> just, just do what we do. Actually, <laughs> Or, or, you see, what happens is, if all you got to work with is choice, why do they choose that? They, should choose, they, they must just like it. Uh, why don't they choose to just have it differently? Um, choose to stop, choose to move out, choose to get a second job. It's all a matter of choice. And, um, yeah, it, it, then I'm thinking, you know, imagine, see, see, imagine this conversation in a family in the inner city. Okay, here's... Here's an inner city black family, and this worldview presupposes this kind of a conversation. You know, the father comes to his son, his name is Daryl, let's suppose, and he says, Daryl, you know, I'm in America, anybody can do anything and become anyone uh, if they just want it bad enough. And so I want you to go to college, just want it bad enough, go to college and get a good degree and go to become a CEO of a Fortune 500 company and earn a six-figure income and marry a model wife and have two delightful, you know, all-American, 2.5 children. You know, it's, 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 have all that. Choose that instead of choosing this. And then Daryl says, eh, Dad, you know, uh, I think I'd rather freely choose to join a gang and, and thereby be guaranteed to be either dead or in prison by the age of 30. That sounds a lot better to me. See, it doesn't work like that, does it? That's not the way the world is because we're not just dealing with an individual. We're dealing with uh, a system. We're dealing with a history and we're dealing with the influence and the corruption of the powers. And, and Daryl was born in a different kind of polluted stream uh, than, than suburban Johnny was born into. And so that sets the parameters of their expectations and hopes and dreams and whatever. Uh, it's, it's about the streams. But you'll never understand inner city Daryl here if you're just looking at the individual inner city Daryl. To understand this guy, you've got to know something about the history of the principalities and powers at work and the streams that have led to the stream that this guy was born into. And then you can begin to appreciate something of what makes him him. It's about zooming out, seeing a very different kind of perspective. Second consequence is this. If you think it's all about individual choice, well, then you go after the individual choice. You blame the individual choice. Uh, you get in that blame game about who, which individuals are supposed to be blamed. But you decide that it's this person. You convict the person. You put them in prison, and you think you're done. But you're not done. You haven't even hardly began. Um, if you want to fix the problem, you've got to begin to ask why questions. Why did this person make this choice? Uh, and that has to do with the streams that led up to this person, the person's long prequel, and, and, uh, and how the principalities and powers have corrupted that. And so it, it's not enough to assume that Geronimo uh, 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 is, is guilty. It's not enough to say, oh, we found the, the bad guy, uh, we, we convict him, put him in prison, done with that. You've got to ask, why would Geronimo do that? What led to that? Uh, you ask questions like, what, is, what does it mean to be an Asian-American? Or I've heard that some people, now there's confusion about what race he is, but I'll go with Asian. But what would lead, is there something about the, that culture and as it interacts with other cultures that might have, have be part of this? Is there something about American culture at large? Maybe something about violence in American culture at large. Maybe something about guns in American culture at large that has contributed to this. Is, is, might there be something systemic going on in the police force and a history behind that? 
uh, you might ask questions about, uh, is the training adequate? And are they, are, are they doing enough to screen out people who are maybe psychologically sensitive? Um, and if, it's not, if they're not doing enough, why is that? Why isn't there funding for this kind of stuff? If you're going to carry a gun and a badge, you, know, you, you ought to make sure that they, they are going to be re responsible when they carry a gun and a badge. Um, and uh, is, is there maybe something about police culture that inclines them to be more authoritative or, or whatever? Uh, those, those are the kind of questions you've got to ask. Maybe there's something in his family system. Maybe there, there's, there's something uh, that had to do with his interaction with black folks. And maybe he's, he's developed a kind of stereotype and a trigger around that. And that would lead to the question of why is there something in Af African-American culture that maybe makes them interact poorly with, uh, with uh, 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 the, the police force. And that leads to another investigation on, on a why question. It might be the case that he's, you know, the, two days before he had a real bad incident where a guy pulled out a gun instead of a wallet, and so now he's kind of you know, triggered or sensitive. There's all those uh, kind of questions you've got to ask. But that gets really complicated, doesn't it? Which is why we don't really ask those kind of questions. We don't ask, ask them enough anyways. We just say, you did it, and therefore you're to blame. Now, here's, here's why the kingdom perspective should be very different than that. The reality is, is, yes, I'm free, and I'm also highly conditioned by my streams that the principalities and powers have, have uh, uh, corrupted. Um, but the thing is, is no one can parse out the degree to which any particular action I did was a result of my free will or my cultural conditioning. How, how do you access that? To what, degree, to what degree am I right now, as I'm standing out here before you, to what degree am I uh, the product of my free choices, and therefore the degree to which I'm morally responsible for who I am, versus what went on with males and uh, the, 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 all the negative stuff I inherited about my maleness and about my Americanness and about my boydness and, and uh, about my whiteness. To what degree am I that? Add to that, to what degree am I genetically uh, uh, determined? To what degree is my responsibility, uh, my, my, my personality, something that was just inherited to me? What about the particular family I was born into, the particular place, the particular time, how I was raised? To what degree am I the result of that? I don't know. I have to assume I'm maximally free, because otherwise I'll start just coasting on, oh, I can't help myself. So I assume I'm responsible, but obviously there's a lot of stuff, a million things about me, maybe a trillion things about me that I'm not responsible for, but they're still part of me. And a lot of that is ugly because it's been polluted by the principalities and powers. We can't separate those two things. Now, courts of law, they have to try to separate that, but they just guess. And basically, they just block out all of the other considerations and say, you did it, you're guilty. They don't try to get on the inside of the heart sort of thing. But see, you don't know how far down a candle's burned unless you know how high it was to start with, Right? And, and uh, we don't know what a person is given with. It could be that a person who looks like they're failing really bad is do actually doing really good, given what little they had to start with. Whereas it could be that a person who's looking like they're doing really good is actually doing really bad because they got a whole lot to start with. You just can't judge that stuff. And that's why the Bible tells us uh, we're never to judge. We're never to judge people. Uh, we can discern things in the lives of those who have asked us to discern things, but we don't come to the final conclusion that you are this, you are evil, you are guilty or whatever, because we don't know. Only God knows that. In fact, Jesus tells us to do the exact opposite. To free us from our tendency to judge, um, uh, he tells us, if you, whatever sin you think you see in, a, in another person's eyes, look at your own eye. Consider the two by four that's sticking out of your own eyes. And what he's saying there is basically this. I don't know how many dust particles are in a tree trunk, but I suppose there's a lot. And so he's saying, whatever, whatever little sin you think you see in another person, you consider your sin to be infinitely worse than that. 
And he doesn't specify what kind of sin. He doesn't put limits around it, except for these kind of sins. No, whatever you see in another person, consider it to be minor com compared to your major. Paul says the same thing when he says, here is a saying that is worthy for everyone to confess. 1 Timothy 1.15, Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. You're the bottom wrong with you. You're the worst of sinners. Now, obviously, that can't be logically true because it can only be one worst. Uh, so it, let's have a contest here. You know, I'm a worse sinner than you. No, I'm a worse sinner. No, I'm a really worse sinner. I'm terrible. That's not what he's trying to get us to do. But he, he's making this statement that, that, that he wants everyone to consider themselves worth so that we are always at the bottom. We're always looking up. And whatever we see in another, whatever we see in another, uh, that's nothing compared to our, our own sin. It's humility that keeps us from being in judgment. Only God can judge. And Paul elsewhere says this. Uh, we are to believe the best about everyone and hope for the best about everyone. Um, and, and what that means, folks, is that... Yeah, where's my... Here it is. Okay. This, this is the unique kingdom perspective. Okay, lock this in. While Western culture looks only at this person and ignores the powers, judges this person doesn't say, place any blame on the powers. Our job is to never judge the person, but to always be aware and fighting the powers. And the way, the, that's it. And if you ignore the powers, you end up blaming this person for everything the powers have done, as well as what they may have contributed, about which you know nothing. Uh, our, our, our job is to do the exact opposite. Um, and see, what's interesting is that your amygdala gets activated when you're staring at the person, the person that you're judging. You conclude they are evil, they are a threat, they are this. And all of the conflict we're seeing now is a result of staring, placing all the blame on this and playing the blame game. Who, who's the right one to be shooting at and looking at or whatever? And then uh, getting all fired up about it and you get caught in that whole suction thing. And all the while the powers are playing, are, are laughing. Because they're, what they're about is turning us against each other, turning our streams against one another because we know that we won't easily understand each other. And so we're fighting each other instead of fighting them. You're either fighting each other or you're fighting them. Amen? And that's what's going on in this culture right now. Our job, folks, is to see things the exact opposite. In a real sense, in a real sense, if you put, have this perspective, everybody's a victim. Because we, we're all born into this corrupt system with the cards stacked against us. Whatever degree that they are responsible for by virtue of their free will, that's on God. It's not, not on us. So we leave all that to God, which means we, we see this person as a victim. Euronimo was being victimized the same time Philando was being victimized. Now, on a legal, in a legal uh, court, no, you can't look at it that way because we got a whole law and order and all that. But from a distinct kingdom perspective, our only job towards this individual, whatever they've done, whoever they are, whether, the cop, whether they shoot the cops or the cops shot them, is to love them and bless them and, and, and uh, be Christ-like towards them, play blessings on them, inscribe unsurpassable worth to them. And folks, that, that changes everything. That's why we pray for all. We pray for everybody, whether they're any or foe, whatever they are, our job is to pray and to bless them. And what you'll find that as, as you do that and collapse the judgment towards the individuals and, and wage war on the powers, now, now you stay above the fray. Now you don't get sucked into those divisive, that divisiveness. And now your heart can be genuinely full of love. 
You can see the, 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 the police who shot as, as your children, just as you see the ones who, who were shot as your children, and you move towards compassion with both. We're all in this oppressed world. And our, that's why Jesus never judged anyone. When, when he, you know, the rest of the culture, they thought that the deformed people, sick people, and uh, oppressed people, and marginalized people, invisible people, and uh, the rest, that they were being judged by God. And Jesus comes along and says, no, they're not, no, this is this the enemy has done. And he manifests the will of God by coming against that poverty, coming against that sickness and illness and deformity, and, and glorifying God. This is the perspective that, that we're, we're to have. Amen? Amen. Amen. So here's the thing. I'll end with this. Uh, I guess I'm, uh, <laughs> you guys aren't doing anything this afternoon, are you? Uh, no, okay, how, 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 really quick, how concretely can we, uh, are we to do this? I've given you the framework. We battle against the powers, never against flesh and blood. Um, never that the individuals, be aware of that prequel. Everyone's got a prequel. So that's how we frame things. Now, how, how do we apply that to our lives in concrete ways? The first thing I'll say is this. Pray. That's why Paul mentions prayer, right? After he mentions the principalities and powers, it's pray at all times. Uh, be alert about the powers and pray. Pray for people who are vic being victimized by the powers. Now, I've had people honestly tell me, or wonder about this at least, uh, when you say, you know, pray, it kind of sounds like a cop-out. How convenient. You know, we don't have to actually do anything. We just you know, pray. Uh, folks, biblically speaking, do you know that there are more if-then clauses associated with prayer than any other human activity? If my people will pray and humble themselves, then they will hear uh, from heaven. If you say this mountain be moved, it, it will be. The more if-then, that means, as I take it, that prayer is probably the most important activity we do. Uh, it's, it, it, we're, you know, part of the, the power is what they've done in Western culture is uh, they've largely brought about people who believe that, that what's important is only what you can see. I can see that if I turn on the light switch, the light goes on. You know, cause and effect. And so it takes faith to pray. We tend not to be good at that, but we've got to lock it in, just believe it, that prayer changes things. It really matters. We're aligning with God and bringing the kingdom about. It's supremely important. It's, it's huge. You know, I, I, I love what... Um, uh, Origen, he's a second century theologian. Uh, he was having this debate with Celsus, who's a pagan, pagan Platonist. Actually, he wasn't personally debating him. Uh, Celsus had written a book about 100 years earlier against Christianity, and now Origen was responding to him. So it was a kind of a delayed thing, if you get what I'm talking about. Okay, anyways. Um, so Celsus had said, one of his criticisms of, of, of Christianity was that he's saying, look at you guys, you enjoy all the benefits of Rome, uh, and yet you don't fight for Rome. You won't eat, you know, join the armies to protect Rome. Um, what a bunch of wussies, hypocrites. Uh, which, which it tells you, by the way, it's kind of a proof that the early Christians were completely opposed to violence. Violence only came around in the 5th century. But it's a different sermon. And so what Origen said was this. No, no, Celsus, he, 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 not, not personally because he's writing 100 years later. But he, he's basically saying, Celsus, you're, you're wrong. You're mistaken because here's the thing. We do fight. We fight. We fight harder than your soldiers fight. We just fight a different way. And we fight a more important battle. While you guys are trying to win particular battles, we're trying to wage war against the one who causes all battles. Yeah. We're trying to bring an end to all wars. We're, yes, we're, we're praying to keep Rome safe, but we're also praying to end the wars so that everybody can be safe. And if, I thought that was a great response. Prayer really changes things. We do warfare on our knees. A second thing uh, is this. The way to fight the powers that bring about all divisions is to be, get in solidarity. 
I just, just get in solidarity. Cross all the lines, all the barriers, all the walls that the enemies have set up uh, so that we're fighting one another. And instead of fighting one another, we join in, in love with one another. And that is itself a, 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 that is a protest. You're pushing back on the powers when you do that. And so uh, any kind of relationships we develop across a, a ethnic lines is so important. Uh, that's true at an individual level. It's true on a church level. We've, we've just got to, to become the beautiful, diverse body of Christ that God created us to be. And in doing that, we're waging war. Enter into solidarity. Now that raises this question. Um, well, uh, is it appropriate for kingdom people to enter into solidarity, say, with what's going on in the culture right now, by uh, becoming part of the Black Lives Matter movement? Because uh, you're entering into solidarity there, right? And I talk with Dennis a lot about this because I don't know what I don't know. And, and he also acknowledges a lot of ambiguity in this. There is a lot of ambiguity in this. And it's not that one size fits all. You kind of have to follow God's lead. On the one, here, here's the tension. On the one hand, a kingdom person should want to say yes, 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 infinite yes to what the Black Lives Matter movement is standing for. And I do, because it does matter. Infinitely matters. But how do you do that while also saying there's some things I can't do as a kingdom person? I, I can't join in that hostility or that, that rage. Um, and that, that, that try to power over, we're going to win kind of thing, uh, I, I have to do it a kingdom way. And with those two things in hand, just uh, walk with the wisdom of God. Seek God's wisdom on whether you're supposed to participate in that. For me, there's some rallies I can, like the one on last Thursday night, because its intention was about solidarity. It wasn't there to, you know, although some were trying to get it to be a rally of anger. In a lot of rallies, some of you know, the whole point is get the crowd raised up and angry at the enemy and try to conquer them some way. And as a kingdom person, I can't do that. But I can go to other things. And so you just have to sort of parse that out. It really is good for, you know, to talk to other people about this, like I'm doing with Dennis. And, and, and it can be on a, on a case-by-case basis. So think about that. Final thing in two minutes. Right. Uh, folks, Okay, this is as equally important as prayer, and that is we fight the powers by refusing to be co-opted by them. Uh, just living a life of resistance. You know, Jesus, everything he did, everything he did, I talk about this in the book, uh, The Myth of a Christian Religion, every aspect of his life was a revolt against his culture. He refused to give in to his culture insofar as it was ungodly. And in revolting against the culture, he was revolting against the powers that fuel those ungodly aspects of his culture. He had a lifestyle revolt. The way he treated women, the way he treated uh, non-Jews, Samaritans, even a Roman centurion, the way he treated the marginalized, the way he treated the sick. Every aspect of his life was countercultural, radically countercultural. I mean, that's why he got crucified. Uh, and in being countercultural, he was waging war against the powers. He manifested the kingdom of God, and if you're going to manifest the kingdom of God, you've got to confront the kingdom of darkness. Uh, it can't happen any, any other way. Now, if we try to do that on our own, forget about it. You, you, if you try to swim against the powers that have been at work since the, the, the fall of, of uh, since their fall, um, you're going to be swimming. You're not, you're, your choice to go upstream is, is just not going to get you very far. Uh, partly because the powers are in you, okay? It's not that they're out here. They're part of who you are if you're doing it on your own. But thankfully, folks, we don't do it on our own. Uh, we can't do it on our own. Uh, the power that was in Jesus Christ is given to us. Right? The, the very power that Jesus had, the power of the Holy Spirit, is in us. Praise God. We have the Spirit of Christ. So we have the power. In fact, we, we have, get this, when, when Jesus died on the cross, uh, what, for all intents and purposes happened, we just need to apply it to our life, is that old self, that old Greg Boyd, who's, you know, the white male Scottish uh, American person, uh, 
he's gone. He, he, he's rendered null and void. At least all polluting influences that were in there, that, that's gone. Because I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. So are you. Your identity is no longer in the we's that encompass you. Your identity is in the we that is in Christ Jesus. Praise God. And, and uh, uh, yeah, so that, all that's done. And now you're empowered. Now you're empowered. You, together with others, are empowered to manifest every aspect of the truth that Jesus revealed on the cross. Now we are empowered to manifest the one new humanity that's in Christ Jesus. We're, we're empowered to manifest the truth that all the walls that have been torn down, all, all the walls that divide people, all, all of that has been torn down. The hostility between people groups has been torn down in Christ. And in Christ there's neither male nor female, neither Jew nor Gentile, neither American or Iraqi or Russian or North Korean or what have you, because our identity is now in Christ. You, we still are, of course, one nationality or another, and I, I still am a Scottish or less mostly Scottish male uh, in America, uh, you still have all that. But see, the powers infuse all of that with such significance. How important it is that you are this. How important it is that, that they, they, they divinize your, your past, which they have polluted, and, and make you proud of it. But in Christ, the significance of all those things is rendered null and void. I don't care, I don't care if you're male or female or, 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 or American or Iraqi or rich or poor or straight or gay or, or rich or whatever you are. It doesn't matter. It does not matter because you are in Christ and Christ is in you and you are now empowered to put forth the reality that's in Christ Jesus. <laughs> folks, folks, frame, please frame in, in, this, in this mess we're in right now. Stay identified in Christ Jesus Remind yourself, you know, where your true hope lies. Um, and with that, keep a kingdom perspective. It's not about individuals or indivi an individual group that looks like each other. Uh, it's about the, how we are all being played by the principalities and powers. And so don't get hooked in. Get your amygdala activated by looking at individuals and declaring more. No, right, they're all victims. Assume that. God will take care of everything else. Uh, our job is just to love them. And, and, uh, uh, and, and collapse all judgment mechanism and then live and think in a way that wages war on the powers that try to victimize us all. Will you stand? All right. <sighs> Father, we uh, end by entering into solidarity with and entering into the grief of all who have been afflicted by this conflict that we are in the middle of in this country. And we pray for the loved ones of uh, the police officers that have been slain. And we thank you for them. Uh, Laying, risking their lives every day to serve and protect us. And we pray for those who are victims of police who abuse their authority. And uh, we pray for the grieving loved ones of all of them as well. And we pray, Lord, for peace in this country. Uh, give, give our leaders the way that know, the insight to know the ways that make for peace. And fathers, we leave here now. We pray you help us stay anchored in Christ, looking at the world in terms of Christ, and fighting the principalities and powers to manifest the truth of your kingdom in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. God bless you guys. Go out, shine on the world. Amen.